Hey, this is JT Roach. You're about to listen to my interview on Pop Nerd Lounge. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to Pop Nerd Lounge, a podcast for the creative soul. I'm your host, Steph Pham. Each episode, I speak with creatives about their experience as artists, current projects they're working on, and wisdom they have for you as the creative. Today, I chat with JT Roach. You might know him from winning the One Republic episode of Songland. We talk about growing up in a creative family, his early years in LA, and we play a fun game of Sing That Artist. This is JT Roach. Welcome to Popner and Lounge. My guest today is JT Roach. JT, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to uh, be on the podcast. Tell me, who was the first artist to make a memorable impression on you? The first artist to make a memorable impression on me? Well, I'd say probably the Beatles and the Beach Boys because I remember being a very little kid and listening to the Beatles and the Beach Boy in like our family living room and like dancing around with my sisters. So that's like some of the earliest memories that I have. So I think that those are very influential. Um, and then church too. Like uh, I grew up in and went to Catholic church. So, um, you know, like the Ave Maria's and like all the, all the songs you hear in like an Irish Catholic church in Madison, Wisconsin. Like I heard those early on. So I think those had an influence on me. Beatles strike a memory for me as well. And I get all nostalgic because on all of our road trips, that's what my dad would play. It's either the Beatles or ABBA. That literally was our catalog whenever we went on road trips. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. For, for sure. Yeah. There are other. I think the Beatles have some of the greatest songs of all time. Definitely Paul McCartney and uh, John Lennon had that magical combo. You know, Paul's like pop sensibility and then Lennon's like need to be cool and new and different and um yeah I think where they met in the middle was like something really special what was the creative environment like in Wisconsin growing up I was really lucky because my family my, my dad is a writer so he obviously fed into my creativity and, and my whole family was just very supportive of being creative um, I had two older sisters so being the youngest and the boy I was a little more introspective and kind of like in my own little world a lot of the time and I think that that led to a more creative side for me and um, yeah as far as like becoming a writer my dad has definitely played a a big role in that and good schooling in Madison Wisconsin Um, I went to Our Lady Queen of Peace and then Edgewood and then UW-Madison and those are all really great schools where they really fed into you know um the arts uh, you know I was always taking art classes and music classes and you know English and history and literature and Shakespeare so I I had a good education and um all along the way of my education they encouraged my own natural interest in the creative arts so I'm very lucky in that way like you mentioned your father's a writer how did your family influence your passions for the arts I think just the love of music in my family. We all love music. You know, my parents love music. My mom loves like Bonnie Raitt and um, Carol King and James Taylor. My dad loves just just about anything. He's like the dad who has is super proud of his iPod playlists and, you know, like long car rides. Like he's the dad who just sings over every single track at the top of his lungs. And he loves like hosting parties and being the guy who's controlling the jukebox. So, um, yeah, I just I, I think that they've just always encouraged me in music and, I you know, neither of them had careers in music. My dad was in bands and stuff like that, but I always had an interest in guitar and singing and songwriting and I loved music and they, you know, I was lucky that they encouraged that. So, um, you know, it 
is one of the reasons why I have a career in music because a lot of people don't have families who would be like, yeah, you can make a career in music. You can do it. I definitely had those parents who were like, if you want to do it, you can do it. So I'm super lucky in that way. Yeah, that's super rare because I know that a lot of creatives, sometimes they don't get that family support. And so it is such a drive for us to continue doing what we do if our if our family is on our side. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I know people whose parents you know, when they say, oh, I want to be a writer, I want to be an actor, I want to be a video director or something like that. They're like, oh, but don't you want to get like a sensible job? Like, don't you want to be a lawyer or a doctor or this or that? And it's like, to me, you can, you know, I think there's a Jim Carrey's like graduation speech where he's like, you can fail at anything. Why not take the risk at doing what you love? And to me, the real reason why I I knew I had to be a songwriter was I loved it more than anything else. So I'm going to work way harder at it and I have a better chance of being good at it because it doesn't feel like work to me. So I'll spend all day every day doing it. And, you know, if you have something that you care that much about in that way, you should do that because you're going to get really good at it probably because you're going to work so hard at it and you're never going to feel like you're working. Never is a strong word, but most of the time you're not going to feel like you're working. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to enjoy it. Even if you're working, you're going to enjoy it. Exactly. Right. Before you lived in California, you were working in Chicago at The Onion. How did the book of The War of Art inspire you to make that move and pursue music full time? So a huge um, theme in that book is resistance. He uses this word to kind of personify anything that's keeping you from doing what you love. And I was living in Chicago, um, working at Comcast Sportsnet and The Onion, doing like sports sizzle reels and like editing clips for like the Chicago Bulls and the Bears and the Blackhawks and the Cubs and um, at working at the Onion and doing like funny comedy videos for their website and it was it was like a great career path and my family was in that career path and it was a creative it was in the arts and like it was a good career but I always found myself thinking about music all my free time I was thinking about music I was envious of my friends who were in LA And one of my friends recommended the book, The War on Art by Stephen Pressfield. And I was reading it on the CTA in Chicago. And I remember just like getting full body chills reading the book because I remember realizing that I wasn't going to have a career in music handed to me and I wasn't going to get good enough at what I loved until I fully committed to it. And even just people in the industry seeing you fully commit to what you're passionate about, you know, people respond to that. But it's hard to want to help somebody out who's spending 10% of their time, you know, trying to make something happen. You know, it's like you got to go all in on it and not have a plan B and just fully commit to it and give it your all. Cause if you don't do that, somebody else is going to do that. So to me, that was like, you know, an aha moment or like the light bulb going on where I was like, okay, I have to treat music like my full-time job for probably years before anybody cares about my music. And that's exactly what happened. i moved home for six months, saved up money, moved out to LA with no plan whatsoever, just knew I wanted to be in LA. And I lived in a hallway for two and a half years and like wrote demos out of a closet until I got a publishing deal. And then, you know, I had some money to like have an apartment, but you know, I just made the decision that I was going to write songs no matter what. And, um, I've been able to make it work and I'm super grateful for that. You kind of went into it actually with that last response, but I was going to ask a lot of creatives have the period where they're driving the struggle bus for the, for a while, or they're temporarily staying at the hard times hotel. Do you relate to this and how have you overcome obstacles as a creative? I definitely, you know, I still have periods where, you know, you doubt yourself or you, you know, don't have a win for a little bit, but 
I think the hardest time for me was in that era where I was when I had first moved here and just wasn't gaining momentum and I was writing a ton of records and just nobody cared about them. And I just didn't feel like I had, you know, a, a single song that like anybody was really, really responding to. And I just kept writing. Um, and you just kind of got to power through that. You know, you just got to like tell yourself that you are the artist that you want to be and, you know, fake it till you make it is real. And I was like, no, this is what I'm, I'm doing. I'm going to be a songwriter. I'm going to make a career out of this. I'm going to have an artist project. I'm going to write for other people. And I just kept saying it so much that I had to live up to it. And I, I had to like put in the work to like be the guy who was all those things. And it's just a lot of work. You know, I was writing two, three songs every single day and not doing anything else and living on a super tight budget and living in a hallway and couch surfing with my friends. And I didn't have money to go home to Wisconsin for weddings where all my friends are getting married and getting houses and, you know, their lives are like completely different. And you, you go through, you know, it's just a different lifestyle. And at least that was my experience. Some, some people move out to LA and they, you know, either it just works out or they have the money that they're just chilling or whatever it is. But my experience was definitely of struggle for the first two to three years here. And I've gradually been able to make steps forward and, you know, um, I'm super grateful for that, but it's definitely not easy. And if you, um, give up during the tough times, then, you know, you're probably not gonna, not gonna get through them. You have to be able to be tough and you have to love it more than you are afraid of failure because at some point it's going to be really difficult. And that's the point where a lot of people give up and you have to be one of those people who doesn't give up. You know, I think it was Wyclef Jean, who's a famous singer, songwriter, artist, um, who worked with, who was one of the Fugees, worked with the Fugees, like Lauryn Hill and all them. And somebody's like, what did you do differently that other people didn't do? And he said, I just kept doing it. I just kept working and I never stopped. Um, and I think that it's a simple thing, but it's, you know, easier said than done. And it, you know, if you can find a way to last, then that's how you can be successful in music. If you're still in it, you're successful in music and in the arts in general. Right. I, I think, yeah, like a lot of what you're saying is all of us have to put in our 10,000 hours to develop who we are and who we want to be as artists and creatives, because, you know, people think there's a lot of mindset today that it's like a short route to success in the creative like they're like oh I'll make like a bunch of TikToks and I'll go viral and then you know that's the mark of my career I'll get people to listen to my music that way or I'll get people to notice me that way and it's not that easy everybody has to put in like I said like they have to drive the struggle bus for a while or they have to pay their dues and the people who make it are the ones who are going to push through that and persevere through that and then they'll eventually get the recognition or the success that they were after for sure and not only that but you know luck is a real thing you can have these little moments where you got lucky um you know like i i I won uh, the one republic episode of songland and to like an outside perspective it's like oh he got so lucky you know like he moved to la and it worked out immediately but like what people don't know is i was out here for five years just like doing three songs a day like writing like crazy and struggling and then you know, people, when you have a moment where you get lucky or you have like a, like an exciting thing happen, people will be like, wow, they got so lucky. But all of the work that led up to that, you know, is what created that moment. And, um, yeah, I think you, and and when you have moments like that, you have to be able to live up to them. Like people who, you know, you may blow up on TikTok from a thing and, but if you want to be a songwriter, 
when you do blow up, you have to be good enough at your craft and you have to be good enough to like be the person that you've been trying to be. So you can't, you can't, there's no way around like the hard work of becoming the artist that you want to be. And I, I really don't think that that's anywhere that you arrive either. I think even the best artists are always redefining themselves and struggling and pushing themselves and, you know, trying to get better. And you have your high moments and your low moments and all that. So. Speaking of Songland, how did you come to the decision that Somebody to Love was the perfect song to pitch with? You know, I heard about Songland. A lot of people in the industry were talking about it. Um, it sounded like a perfect opportunity uh, to kind of explain to people who are not in the industry what my job is like. Because people at home are always like, "What do you? so what are you doing out in L.A.? What is your life like? Uh, how do you spend an, a day? How do you make a living? Like, how do you pay for food to eat? And how do you pay for your apartment? And I'm like, I kind of don't right now and I'm working on it. <laughs> but, but, um, but the show is trying to show people at home like what it's like for a songwriter and what the process is like. And I really think they nail it, you know, um, in their own ways. Um, what it's like when a song is kind of born, you know, and, um, it was an amazing experience. I I had like, I sent in two songs, um, and that was one of them. And uh, yeah, ended up on the one Republic episode, got to play it for Ryan and Zach. And, um, I really do feel like it was the perfect song for them. It was just one of those things where, you know, like those luck moments, you know, it just worked out and it sounded like a record for them and it just went right, you know, um, So I'm super lucky and it was a super fun experience and yeah, it's a wild thing. It's kind of, I still, I haven't seen the episode in a long time, so it's like still hard to believe that that happened too. It's like such a surreal thing. I love the story. Um, I was listening to the Sawland podcast and I love the story about how you would put Counting Stars into Logic and chop it up and dissect it basically and learning how that song was made. How influenced by Ryan Tedder and One Republic were you before the episode? Ryan Tedder was always somebody whose career was like something to chase after for me because he is the lead singer in one republic he's got this amazing artist career and band and you know massive hit records with them but he also wrote halo for beyonce and you know rumor has it with adele and he has all these amazing records that he writes for other people and that's what i do and that's what i wanted to do for myself so anytime somebody i was in like a meeting like trying to pitch myself to people in la whether it's publishers or labels or management or lawyers whatever it is i would say you know i see myself like a ryan tedder where i write for other people but i also have my own project and it's extra it's extra crazy that i ended up on their episode because i I did study his music you know when i was living in a hallway and writing demos in a closet i had like I had like a TV in the closet and I would plug my laptop in the TV and I remember pulling up the MP3 for Counting Stars and like chopping it up and colorizing the sections and being like, why is this song so good? Like, what are they doing? What's the arrangement like? And how do I get better at what I'm doing? And I really dove into that and tried to like do other songs like that, you know, and, um, you know, it's just, it's so, it's so clear when you listen to somebody who's so good at their craft, like Ryan Tyder is that there's a lot that you have to learn and um, getting to play my song for them and like the whole song and experience of playing them my song and them reacting to it was just so emotional and powerful because, you know, it makes you realize that they went through and go through consistently the same stuff that I'm going through creatively all the time. They've just been doing it longer and they have more experience and, you know, they have more tricks of the trade and, you know, you just keep learning, you know, so such a crazy thing. 
So Shane McAnally is basically a musical wordsmith. How did working with him add more storytelling to somebody to love? Shane really is, you know, they call him the wordsmith. He really is that good with words. Um, if you're as well known of a songwriter in Nashville as Shane is, some of the best songwriters in the world and some of the best lyricists in the world are in Nashville. So if you're, if you can um, develop the reputation that he has in a city like that, then you're the real deal. And I found my experience working with him to be nothing less than that. He was actually even better than I imagined him to be. And I really think he just made the story real. You know, he kept being like, what is this song really about? Like, what, what is this? What is the story? You know, like, how is this real to you? And how do we make it a story that also works for Ryan Tedder, which is a, it's a delicate balance of like telling a real story to you that also feels real to somebody else. That's what we're all trying to do in pop songwriting. But hopefully if you write something real, other people will just kind of hear it and go, yeah, me too. You know, like even if every tiny little fact isn't a true fact of their lives, like the overarching truth of the song is apparent and the emotion of the song and the feel of it is on point. And I feel like we, I feel like we nailed that. And, you know, Ryan felt it and everybody felt it. And, you know, seeing him perform the song for the first time at Red Rocks is like, okay, yeah, this was their song and, you know, it's perfect for them. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where like every, all the pieces just fell into place, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I remember watching just from that first moment of your audition, I was like, this sounds like one Republic record and just seeing Ryan sing along with it. I was like, wow, this is just, yeah, it just sounded like it was made for them. Like we've been talking about and just watching that whole journey of you guys evolving the song and, and like taking it to the next level where it did get selected. It was just a fabulous to watch your whole entire journey. Thank you. What has, yeah. What has life been like after Songland? I always say that Songland was just a great boost, like an overall boost for my life and career. You know, a confidence boost, a boost in my exposure with other people and, you know, a boost for my ability to get in rooms with other writers and producers, you know, of renown or or like with, you know, things going on or whatever it is. And, you know, a little more like a little bump to my social media stuff and like all those things that are just nice for your career when you're still trying to like make it and you know, reach the next level. And I'm super grateful to NBC and Songland and, you know, One Republic and everybody for, uh, you know, creating that experience for me. Um, cause that's definitely a once in a lifetime thing. I do feel in some ways too, that I'm kind of just doing what I was doing before, which is just every day sitting down and trying to write the best song that I can do. That's my job. And, um, I don't think that there's job security in the music industry. I think even the people at the top are got to be hungry. You know, you got to be hungry to write that next amazing record for your own, not only for like your, you know, bank account, but like more so for your own creative fulfillment. Like if I go a month without writing something that I really love and that I'm super excited about and want to play for people, I'm like, man, I got to like lock out and get in the studio and like hustle. And I feel like that more now than I ever have. Um, so I do feel like in, in a lot of ways, it was an incredible boost and an amazing experience and it was life changing. But in other ways, I do feel like I've, you know, been gradually building my career and I'm back to just doing what I've been doing, which is just trying to write the best songs and get better as a songwriter. We're going to switch some gears and we're going to play a little game. Okay. Um, and it's called Sing That Artist. So basically, I'm going to name an artist and I want you just to give me a line or two from any of their songs. Okay. So we're going to see how this goes. Okay. And yeah, it's going to be fun. 
It's going to be okay. fun. Awesome. <laughs> All right. My first artist that I'm going to give you is Sean Mendez. I'm looking Shawn for a line, yeah, a line or two from any of Sean Mendez's work. You got me bleeding till I can't breathe. I'll be needing stitches, tripping over myself. This song is so good. It's like uh, un- un- you can't. It's, it's such a bop. It's so good. It is that whole yeah. that whole um, record. Illumination was like. Oh wait, no, that was off his first record. Um, but I yeah, that was like, like his first first big single. Yeah, but, first yeah. big single. Yeah, but like all of his music has just been. Oh my god, I I love his entire catalog. He's like yeah, one of my favorite artists. He's a star, like a hundred percent. He's he's really really good. My next artist is Frank Sinatra. Ooh, fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what Frank is like on Jupiter and Mars. Yeah. Yes. He's he's, yes. he's the goat. I mean, like, I always <laughs> I always do the Frank Sinatra test. Like, if I got a really good melody, I'll try to swing it and sing it like Frank Sinatra. And if it's a good song like that, then I'm like, yeah, it's a banger. <laughs> yes, he's like one of my favorites. Like, oh, I'm such so a jazz good. head. I, I'm, yeah, I'm such a jazz head. I love Knocking Cole. I love uh, yeah Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. I just I love jazz, and so yep, got a special place in my heart for he's that. He's so good. You can't, <laughs> it, it never doesn't hit the spot it's he, it's he's i'd put him on anytime like him and bob marley there's like certain artists that you can just put on anytime and you're like yeah like this never gets old <laughs> very true very true uh next artist is justin timberlake oh oh man there he's got so many hits like i don't even know which one to sit <laughs> a saying one of my personal favorites is um now hey little mama I love this time I want to. Just tell me, can I get a line? Roll you up and let it pump through my veins. Cause I can't always see the farthest stars when I'm on you. You're my little push of love, girl. He's so sick. That song oh is God. so underrated. That's like probably my favorite of his. Dude. Even, even though he's insane. got so many bangers, that's probably my favorite. Yeah, I love that song. Um, that was actually my favorite off the 2020 experience because everybody was all about Soon Tie and everybody was all about all the other records. Right. Um, but no, but that one was honestly like just the perfect way to kick off that that album. And it's oh, just it's so absolutely. My, yeah, my favorite. It's, my it's favorite. so good. And it's like it's like two amazing songs in one, too, because Timbaland did that whole like he had like two beats in the same key, I'm sure, and just like <laughs> made it work to just transfer into the next one. And they just murdered it. So cool. <laughs> I love Timbaland. He's like yeah. the goat producer. If I had to work yeah. with anybody, would he work was with on him. my flight to Miami two weeks ago. He was sitting. Oh. In, he was sitting in one A, and I was like, like you know, waiting in line to get on, and I'm standing right next to him, and I was like, I wanted to be like, bro, you're amazing, but I, <laughs> I let him sit in peace. <laughs> oh man oh man okay um how about we talked about this act earlier how about the Beatles oh man. Which Beatles song? Oh my God, I don't even know which one to start with. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. I mean, that's one of the best songs ever. I mean, right? all of their songs in my book are like the best songs ever. But like, <laughs> like how do you even sit down and write that song? It's so good. It's like the one song I put on when I'm like in my feels and I just need to 
be comforted by oh, music God. and i just yeah it's so good it's so, so good, good. <laughs> that's like motiv- motivation for any songwriter it's like have you written let it be yet then get back to work <laughs> i love that okay um how about a couple more artists how about uh one of my favorites and i think somebody that you worked with jake miller jake miller oh man we got so many bangers <laughs> together what's my favorite jake song oh man I really like we wrote London Lights together. Under London Lights. Um, what is another? Um I'll wait for you no matter what. He wrote that with my friend Charlie Snyder. I love Wait. It's so good. But I mean, I love Jake. He's like the nicest guy, like legitimately the nicest guy when you meet him and work with him. He's like exact one of those people where if you meet him in real life you'll be like, Oh, he's even nicer than I like hoped he would have been. And he's super talented and like, yeah, he's a star. I love Jake. <laughs> love it. All right. Um, two more artists. How about Ariana Grande? Ariana Grande? Oh, man. Um, what What's the guy's name? Pete Davidson? They, they used to date. I just watched yes. his Netflix special. <laughs> um, all of the drama between him and Ariana. But thank you. Next. I'm so fucking grateful for my ex. I mean, that's so good. It's just like. <laughs> pop ear ear candy like this is really good pop music right right yeah, I, so good i love her yeah i love her catalog that yeah that album had so many bops i was just like i love boyfriend and i love uh nasa and i love uh yeah just so many great songs off that record she's a star oh. undeniable <laughs> star she's so good finally how about somebody that we've been talking about one republic oh man <laughs> I mean, it's so whack to sing my song, so I'm not gonna sing my song. Um, what, what what song should I sing? Um, it's too late to apologize. It's too late. So good. Yes. That's, a, that's, a, that's the banger. That's the first time. I mean, everybody's first time hearing that. You're like, what is this? This is amazing. Yeah. You well, you knocked that game out of the park. I think Thank you hit you. like everybody's catalog and we yeah <laughs> i had so much fun nerding out with you about them well this was a fabulous conversation um i had the best time talking about songland and being a creative and what it takes to be an artist so go ahead th- we're gonna pull hot ones you tell the audience at home where they can find you on social media where they can listen to your music i think you just released an acoustic version of your song potions so yeah like yes let everybody know where they can connect with you I mean, all the places you would think. If you just search JT Roach, I'm on all of the things, Instagram, everywhere. Please be sure to follow me on Spotify and Apple Music. Um, JTRoach.com if you want lyrics, videos, merch. Buy some shirts. Uh, like, my merch is dope. Go buy some of that stuff. Yeah, and then, like, Instagram. Like, if like I, I always answer my in- inbox on Instagram if anybody wants to say hi. Yeah, like, all the social media sites. I'm, I'm out there. And Potions Acoustic is out on YouTube. came out yesterday. Um, check that out. I'm playing with Dylan, Ma- Dylan Matthews and Slander and Said the Sky. It's a, it's a bop. So, and new singles every month this year. I got a new single coming out every month and some really exciting collabs too in the EDM space, especially. Yeah, we're we're looking forward to it. I mean, like after watching your episode, we're we're excited to see more uh, songs and singles from you. So definitely go check out your music. And I, yeah, I am just so thankful that we had this conversation. I know oh, my that pleasure. we were, thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I know that we were trying to make it work. So I'm just glad that you're able to be on the show. Thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. 
I enjoyed chatting with JT and it was really insightful to hear how a city like Los Angeles, a place where most people would love to live, sometimes it's hard for an artist or creative to launch their career. To see JT's growth of how he's built his artistry and his songwriting profile over the last five years in LA has been absolutely amazing. If you want to learn more about JT, visit the links in our show notes. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Popner Lounge. Make sure when you're listening to our podcast that you subscribe to us wherever you listen. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you listen to your show, we're most likely there. Take it away, outro me. Popner Lounge is executive produced by Steph Pham and V Co. V serves as the producer and creative director, and Steph Pham is the host and the show's editor. For all things Popner Lounge, visit our website, popnerlounge.com. Thanks for joining us for a conversation for creatives by creatives. We hope you tune in next time for Popner Lounge. I'm Steph Pham. <laughs>